May God add his blessing upon the reading of the word this morning. You'll see there on the screen what I suppose is the title of the message, When Dead Men Speak. I want to talk to you for a minute about making wrong turns. Did you ever make a wrong turn? Jess and I took a little trip recently. Uh, actually, she had a trip to take. I don't know, how many of you have smartphones? Y'all have smartphones now? Everybody got smart. Okay, smartphones have the ability to take you where you're going to. You say, Siri, take me to, and Siri will take you to. But the problem I have with Siri is sometimes she takes me ways that I don't like, and it's dangerous, and I'm a worried wart about what might happen next. And Janice had with her job something she had to do, and um, she said, I don't know if I can get there with Siri. How would you go? And I tried to tell her. And then we both decided that it would be the responsible thing to go and buy a GPS. We used to have GPSs, and uh, we had, uh, you know, let those things die, go the way of the earth. And so I went and bought her a GPS. I set it up. I put in the place she was going to. And she went and came back safe and sound. And I was so happy that I got a GPS, because where she was going was not that safe of a place to be traveling to. But my child i'll not name male nor female i will not say older or younger i will only indicate that they live in strasburg um, she decided that we had really uh really 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 done a silly thing you people bought a gps do you know how 1980s that is you bought a GPS. Dad, I can't believe that you bought a GPS. Well, yes, Ariel, I bought a GPS. And your mother made it to Cleveland and back, to a bad part of Cleveland and back, and she's alive and well, and I think it was a good investment. So we got ready to take a little trip this week to Kentucky, and I fired up the GPS. You had to go through Cincinnati. I was driving at night because it was late, and uh, Janice, we had to wait for her to get off work and me to get out, out of work and every, all that. And we get to Cincinnati, it's about 1030 at night. I don't know if a ball game let out or what was going on, but in any event, that thing got me in a circle loop going around Cincinnati. Just looping and looping and looping Cincinnati. <laughs> and guess who we took with us? I won't name names, I won't tell you younger or older, but she lives in Strasburg. And she was having a party at my expense. God said back in that very first verse that we read this morning, 17th verse, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. What that really is saying, church, is that God did not let them go the short way. There was a direct route. Now, I don't know how this is going to look on the screen, but if you see that upper line going across that map, that is the line that would have taken them to the promised land. Now, if you see that little uh, bunch of dirt underneath that that says Egypt, uh, that is the desert down below. And if you look real close, you will see that there is actually a white line. And you'll see that white line because that's the line that we believe they took when they headed off up out of bondage. There's a new map that shows possibly the trip that they took. The difference between the two is this. If they would have taken that first route I showed you across the top, they didn't have to go through water. 
But they took the other route and they went through the Red Sea. They also went down through the desert. They wandered around forever and got lost and did all manner of evil and did circles around Cincinnati before they made it to the promised land. It says that as they went, as God led them, the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Now, don't, don't understand that. They didn't have bows and arrows or anything as they went. They were marching. Remember, we're talking hundreds of thousands of people. And it says this strange verse right here. So Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For Joseph had made the sons of Israel promise, saying, God will surely visit you and you will carry up my bones with you from here. And hundreds of years earlier, you'll remember, it's back in Genesis 50, I believe, God makes his bro or Joseph makes his brothers promise that when they go to the promised land, that his bones, his body, would go with them to the promised land. And it says they moved from Succoth and encamped at Etham on the edge of the desert. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. And the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. But let's go back to that 17th verse. God didn't go the short way home. God took the long way home. Why did he do that? Well, God said, lest the people change their minds. And when they see war, they turn around and return to Egypt. Can I tell you that if you were to go read Numbers 14, the fourth verse, you would find there that God was correct because even though they went the long way, eventually they would run into enemies. And as they ran into enemies, lo and behold, what was the first thought that came to their mind except for, we need to turn around and go back because we're going to get slaughtered. It actually says, they said to each other, let us choose another leader and let us go back to Egypt. I want you to fast forward across the desert I want you to fast forward all the way to the promised land I want you to imagine you get into a time machine with these children of Israel I don't know how we get them all into our time machine but we go all the way over to the promised land to the land that flows with milk and honey that we go to the place that God said to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob he was going to give them when you get to that place in the Bible you're in Numbers 13 and when they arrive on the edge of the land, I want you to hear this. It's Numbers 13, the 25th verse. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. Who returned? Remember those spies, if you know your Bible? They sent the spies into the land. And they came back to Moses and Aaron, to all the congregation of the people of Israel. And they brought back word to them and to the whole congregation. They showed them the fruit of the land. It was a land that flowed with milk and honey. And they said, we came to the land which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. However, and everybody says however, that's there for a reason. However. The people who dwell in that land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in that land. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites are in the hill country. The Canaanites dwell by the sea along the Jordan. But Caleb stood up and quieted the people, and he said, let us go up now. Let's go up and occupy it today. 
for we are well able to overcome them. And the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against this people, for they are stronger than us. So they brought the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out. And they said, the land through which we've gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. We saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak who come from Nephilim. And we seemed to ourselves to be grasshoppers. And that's what we looked like to them too. And what do you think the response was from the congregation? All the congregation cried out. And the people wept that night. The people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, We wish that we had died in Egypt. We wish that we had died in the desert. Why is the Lord doing this to us to fall by the sword? Why are our wives and little ones becoming a prey? It would be better for us to go back to Egypt, wouldn't it? And they said to each other, let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. And then Joshua stands up. And Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jehunah. They had gone amongst the spies, they ripped their clothes, and they said to the congregation, the land which we pass through to spy it out is a good land. The Lord delights in us. He will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Don't rebel against the Lord. Don't put fear in the people. They, people of that land, are bread for us. And he meant we're going to eat these people alive. Their protection has been removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And all the congregation said, let's stone these guys with stones. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel. They wanted to stone them. They wanted to stone them. And the Lord said to Moses, I want you to imagine, Brett, listen real close. They want to stone Moses and Aaron. The Lord said to Moses, How long will this people despise me? How long will they not believe in me? In spite of all the signs that I have done amongst them, I'll strike them with pestilence and disinherit them, and I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. What do you think Moses did? <laughs> You give it to them, God, no. Moses prays for their forgiveness. And you know what God does? God gives it to them anyway, no. God forgives them. But I want you to hear close what God said. The Lord said, I've pardoned according to your prayer. But surely as I live and all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. None of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have put me to the test these days and have not obeyed my voice will see the land that I gave and swore to their fathers. My servant Caleb, because he's got a different spirit and has followed me fully, I'll bring into the land and his descendants will possess it. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and said, How long will this congregation grumble against me? Say to them, As I live, declares the Lord, what you've said in my hearing I will do to you. 
your bodies will fall in the wilderness. And all of your number that are in the census, who are 20 years and older, will die in this wilderness with the exception of Caleb and Joshua. And your little ones who you said will become a prey, they will inherit the land. According to the number of the days that you were spies in the land, 40 days, that many years you will wander in the wilderness. And there in that wilderness you shall die. Listen to this. This is the best part. And the men who Moses sent to spy out the land, who returned and made the congregation grumble against him by bringing a bad report about the land, the men who brought up a bad report about the land died by plague before the Lord. Of those men who went to spy out the land, only Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Judah, remained. Did you hear what I said? The men who brought the bad report died of a plague. I'll tell you why it's so very important in my head. Because even though they died by a plague, everybody else still died a long and unseemly death of wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. The spies, they died. The people who grumbled, they died. And right here, because I've read half the book of Exodus to you so far, I want you to take a breath. Inhale, exhale, and get ready for what's next. Because why have I got you here today? Do you remember what the title of the sermon was? When Dead Men Talk. When Dead Men Talk. Funeral director back home in my hometown. He called me this week out of the clear blue, and he and I had a conversation. Then he sent me a piece of mail, and uh, he's a real entertainer, and so he entertained me for an hour on the telephone. But Frank used to walk through town, and one of his favorite expressions was that he'd do a funeral service free for anybody that walked in. Nobody's walking into the promised land that grumbled against God. And yet there's some dead people talking in this story. Do you remember a verse that I read to you that I really haven't touched on until now? Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For Joseph made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you and will carry up my bones with you from here. What happens when dead men talk? Can I tell you that when the Exodus began, you know, the whole Passover story, all the firstborn in Egypt, they, they die, and the posts and the blood and all that. By the time that occurs, Joseph has been dead for over 400 years. Joseph, coat of many colors, Joseph, beloved by his father, Joseph, sold into slavery by his brothers, Joseph, rises to power in Egypt, Joseph, delivers his family, including his brothers, from famine, Joseph, dies in Egypt, Joseph, that Joseph. They carry his bones out of Egypt, across the Red Sea, through the desert, to the edge of the promised land, back out into the promised land. But men who have already died can't travel, so somebody had to carry 
those bones. Do you remember something that Jesus said in the book of John? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. There's an obvious parallel in Joseph and his bones to Jesus for me. You see, Jesus lived and then he died, didn't he? But in just three days, he rose again. And behind locked doors, Jesus appears to the disciples. But one of them still didn't believe. His name was Thomas. Thomas would have been a great spy. He would have said, they're too big. Let's go back to Egypt. He would have said, let's just get on with life and die in this desert. But a dead man spoke to him. And the dead man said, Thomas, put your hand right here. Thomas, give me your finger and put it right here. And when he does that, Thomas says, my Lord and my God. And Jesus says, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Church, that's us. That's us. I don't hear Jesus talking to me. I don't hear voices. I've never woke up in the middle of the night and seen Jesus at my bedside. He's never given me a special dispensation. All he's given me is his word. I haven't seen, and yet I believe. And I think the bottom line today is this. If dead men speak, living men should shout. Let me tell you about Joseph again for a minute, because somehow in my notes I overlooked something I wanted to tell you. Joseph is mentioned in Genesis, the end of Genesis, saying, take my bones. We've talked about that. Joseph is mentioned again in the book of Numbers when they actually arrive in the land. And it's so interesting what happens with Joseph's bones. They bury him in the land of Canaan, in the land that his father Jacob had bought for his people. And all of Jacob's descendants get that piece of ground inside the promised land, and Joseph is buried there. But way on down the line in the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter, the chapter of faith, says this, by faith Joseph requested that his bones be buried when they went into the promised land. Joseph believed. He never saw, but he believed. Joseph knew that one day God would come through. And Joseph understood that being betrayed by his brothers, being sold into slavery, being able to be accused by Potiphar's wife, and then rising to power in Egypt in the midst of the worst of times, that the God who had seen him through all of that would see that his bones made it to the promised land. And I want to tell you, dead men do speak because Joseph's bones spoke. So much so that Moses said we won't leave without him. So much so that Joshua said we're not going to dump him in the desert. So much so that when they made it to the promised land, Joseph's bones were buried where he wanted to be buried. And dead men speak because Jesus Christ said, you've seen me, 
And now you believe? Blessed are those who've never seen and yet believe. You know, church, we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. I can't see what tomorrow brings. I can't see what tomorrow holds. If you can, God bless you. Come tell me and we'll check that. But God holds tomorrow in his hand. What I do know for sure is that I can't go back. I walked down the hall this morning. Debbie had told me where I could find this little stool, and I wanted it. I guess it's a comforting thing. And uh, why is it a comforting thing? Because it's a garage stool. I love to work on cars. I love to sit on one of these at a workbench, and it says Craftsman on it. You can't buy that stuff anymore unless you go to Lowe's now. But anyway, as I walked into that room down the hall, there was an umbrella. There was an umbrella that we used to haul outside for the sun or the rain so yours truly wouldn't get wet. There were two big barrels that we used to place at the edge of the parking lot that said, tune in to AM 1380. If you're out there this morning listening, we're glad you're there. And we'd throw our offering in that. There's big old speakers where we tried to do something early on in the day and it didn't work. There's just all these remnants. There's a, a pulpit that I brought from home. It used to be in the old Borders bookstore. Now, if you remember the Sundays, I wheeled it out there and used it. It's got ruin on the bottom from snow. That's a great ruin. And I'm looking at all this stuff, and I'm thinking, man, I wouldn't want to do that again. And I've got to tell you, you can't go back. Not just not back to that. You've got to look ahead. Because the days that lay ahead have to be the best days because you can't relive your yesterdays. Amen.